Hello my friends, welcome back to the Meerkat Musings podcast. I'm your host Ben and with this podcast I am talking a little bit about the subject of privatisation and I may well decide this is going to be part of the uh, the random prompts series. I don't know yet actually at the time of recording this, although it kind of makes sense. But yeah, so privatization. Privatization for um, for any sector really basically means that it's no longer under government control, I guess, if you like, and it's placed into the hands of uh, businesses which, well, are private companies, hence privatization, and they will operate these businesses, uh, these sectors, for profit, basically. To give you an example of this, one from the UK, which I think is certainly here in the UK widely known, the railway companies, the train operators, they are all private. Well, virtually all of them are private. In the 1990s, they were privatised and went from being part of a, a public body called British Rail to various companies and another private company was created to look after the actual uh, infrastructure itself, a company called Railtrack. And from that point onwards, private companies would be responsible for uh, sort of maintaining stations, building new trains and looking after the infrastructure of the UK rail network. And this led to, I mean, maybe it's unfair to completely blame it on the idea of these companies being more focused on profit rather than safety, but there was a a crash in the year 2000, I believe it was, uh, a crash which was notorious among the uh, the UK railway network uh, called the, the Hatfield crash. And in this in this crash, a train travelling at speed uh, derailed when the rail underneath it actually disintegrated, gave way, it broke. And a broken rail, when you're travelling over it, speed is always going to cause a disaster. Uh, sadly, people were killed in this crash. And in the course of looking into it, it transpired that uh, there were some corners being cut by uh, the company Railtrack and... It kind of highlighted what I want to talk about a little bit, namely that when you have a situation where you place profits ahead of people, you almost invariably end up with problems. As soon as money is the focus, then companies will do anything in their power to to make money, to appease their shareholders, and generally speaking, the nuts and bolts of what they do falls away. The argument for privatization is that these companies won't want to sort of lose business. Uh, so they'll they'll kind of work harder, if you like, to look after everything. But reality just doesn't sort of bear that out. Certainly not with big public services. Take as another example the uh the UK water companies they have been dumping 
sewage into UK rivers and water supplies and along beaches. And this is, in no small part, a cost-saving exercise. This is about money. This isn't about public health, although it should be. It's our water supply. But it's not. It's about money. And with energy companies, of course, this being perhaps the most uh, sort of relevant example of recent times, we've got them in the UK pushing up their prices massively and squeezing the ordinary British person tremendously hard, even though in other countries, countries where, funny enough, there is nationalised energy, we aren't getting anywhere near these same increases. Because the energy companies in the UK are operating for profit and they are determined to make as much money as they can. So when you know the, the base price of gas and oil and whatnot went up, they happily raised their prices. I guarantee you when the base prices go down, they won't lower their prices. The only way they'll lower their prices is if they are forced to lower their prices by the government. And I can't see this Tory government even considering forcing them to lower prices because they benefit from this arrangement. I firmly believe that this Tory government is in cahoots effectively to ensure high prices because they're getting some sort of kickback. They're creaming off the top somehow. Our Prime Minister used to work for Shell. Shell, of course, being a massive energy company. So surely, surely there are some conflicts of interest there, but there you go. So that is my view on privatisation in a nutshell. It, government-run transport services and that kind of thing aren't always amazing themselves. Just to offer the flip side of that, British Rail were at times somewhat notorious for uh, sort of delays and other things like that. But then again, what has substantially changed under privatisation, except for some eye-watering costs with rail travel in this country, which you don't tend to see abroad so much for some reason. And, well, yeah, as I say, what's actually changed beyond that? I can't think of anything which has changed beyond, beyond rising costs. So that's my initial kind of talk. Uh, regarding privatisation, my, my initial thoughts on the subject. But there is a reason why I'm talking about this. The other day I came across a, a blog post of, um, I guess you could call them an old sparring partner. I, I don't really know uh, how to sort of define the relationship. But they talked about how they felt that uh, over in the USA, the Department of Education was unconstitutional and I can only assume that when they say unconstitutional they mean bad because based on their posting history that tends to be their position and they talked about how uh, basically sort of if schools were run more as businesses mm -hmm. that they would be better and that got me thinking would a school run as a business actually be better than a school run as, well, what a school should primarily be 
which is a place of education. Now, private schools exist. Um, here in the UK, we have a nationalised education service, if you like. It tends to be uh, kind of broken down. So there's an education department, and then what you tend to find is local authorities, so local councils and that kind of thing, tend to have uh, sort of more direct control rather than, say, centralised control. It's all sort of decentralised when it comes to things like education. But nonetheless, education is a public body, if you like, and that's how it's run, and that's how it's run in a number of countries. There are, like I say, private schools here in the UK. If you're in a position to afford to uh, send someone to them, which is often quite difficult because the prices are pretty high. It's ironic, actually, because um, the private schools in the UK are referred to as public schools, which is somewhat misleading, but for some reason they're just referred to as public schools. A famous example would be Eton, and that is kind of, you know, very much a rich kid's playground. You need to have a fair bit of money to get in, and it's something which will cost you a fair bit of money to keep sending your child to. And it has, perhaps unsurprisingly, a reputation for being quite elitist and snobbish. But private schools do exist, alongside uh, kind of state-run schools, as it were. And this is true for many parts of the world. But the best education systems, as per a number of independent kind of evaluations and guidelines tend to be the ones where they are, if you like, sort of state-funded, where there is a drive to make sure that because they're state-funded, everyone can afford to send their kids there because they're free at point of service. And, you know, where there is a genuine interest and investment in education from governments. For example, we have Finland. Uh, Finland is, well, by some metrics at least, rated as the, the best education system in the world. And it's free at point of service through most of its levels. And the same also applies to countries like Japan and Korea. Uh, it applies to a number of other countries around the world. You have, in case in the case of, say, upper education, so sort of university level, that, in a lot of places, you have to pay. But certainly up until that point, education is, is free at the point of delivery, as it were, and therefore it's accessible to absolutely everyone. It doesn't matter what your, your income is, you can send your child to school. And it might be the case you might have to, you know, pay for some books, uniforms, stationery in some countries, in some cases, but you are not having to fork out who knows how much money to send your kid to to school. Whereas with a private model, what are we looking at here? The 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 pre existing private schools, and just to go back to, the, to this um, sort of American idea that this guy's had, by his own admission, they charge tens of thousands of dollars for parents to send their kids to them. We're, we're talking sums of money which exceed 
what I would imagine many Americans actually make over the course of a year. So what are you going to do to kind of bring it down to a level which is affordable for most people? How are you going to do that? Well, one of the ideas that this guy had was to get people like, among others, uh, you know, the billionaires and the millionaires to help provide funding for it. But through what mechanism? Because if it's through taxation, then, and you're, and you're calling for a fundamental distribution of their wealth to help fund education of all things, then it's ironic that they call for privatisation and then call for, well, what sounds a lot like socialism in order to, to cover the cost, because that's what you're basically sort of doing. You're saying that you want the rich and the wealthy to to share the wealth, to help people out, that sounds exactly like socialism. Which, you know, I don't personally have that many object to, object, objections to, to a point. But is it not kind of ironic that someone who is in favour of privatisation would make those arguments? And if not through taxation, then what are you expecting them to do? I mean, are you expecting, you know, the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezoses and the Mark Zuckerbergs of this world out of the goodness of their heart to, to fund schools without some sort of benefit being in place for them? If you expect companies and, and you know, big, powerful, rich people to, to sponsor schools to effectively run schools as businesses, for schools to effectively be limited companies, complete with shareholders and that kind of thing, then they're going to want something out of that. They're not going to do it out of the goodness of their hearts. They're not going to do it because they care. They want to know what they can make out of it. If it's being run for profit, then profit will become the primary motivation. And it doesn't matter if... You know, if, if all this thing about reputation, that doesn't matter. The bottom line is, is the school in the red or in the black? That's going to be the key thing to these people that are now running these places. They're not going to be interested in the quality of the lessons. They are only going to be interested in what kind of a profit they can turn from this exercise. And if that means that corners get cut, if that means that things go sort of somewhat wrong in places, well, as long as it's making money, will they care? And you can say, well, you know, the school's reputation will suffer and, and students won't be sent there. But there are only so many schools and there are only so many places for students. And there may not be the option available to get kids into another school. Especially, you know, if they're already kind of embedded and paid for, as it were. Well, what do you do? I mean, you, it's not easy to take a kid out of a school halfway through a term. And especially in, in this kind of financial model, what are you going to do if you've spent, I don't know, $2,500 on entry fees for year one or whatever? Are you going to get that money back if the education service isn't what you expected it to be? If it isn't meeting your standards, how are you measuring this? Would it be through student grades? Well, 
what then? I mean, if they're struggling, then are you going to spend more money on helping them dip into your profits? What's, what's, what are the yardsticks here for success and failure of a school that's being run like a company, like a business? And what do you do about it when things go wrong? And things will inevitably go wrong because they're interested as the same one thing, which is how much money they're going to make out of this exercise. I'm not aware of any country on earth which has a model where education systems are entirely in the hands of private enterprise. And the best education systems in the world are the ones where you have a fair degree of, of government oversight, um, be it at a federal level or at a local level, or sometimes a combination of both. The best education systems are the ones which don't expect parents to fork out considerable upfront costs. It would be very difficult, certainly, you know, if, if someone said to me that I would have to spend another five grand, for example, to send my kid to school every year, I wouldn't be able to find that money. It would be next to impossible. What are you going to do to help people afford that kind of thing? Are you going to pay everyone more? Well, then again, the kind of, you know, sort of lean towards the socialist model again. So interesting that, you know, that would happen if that would happen. Are you going to have the costs be really, really low, which the people running these places wouldn't be happy about because they want to make money out of this. What's it cost? What's it going to cost per student to bring them through one year of a school term? I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to find out, but it'd be interesting to see what it costs uh, for the average student, what the school has to expend financially to get one student through a school term. Is it $1,000, $2,000, $3,000? I don't know. But whatever it is, whatever that number is, the school that's doing this as, as you know, a business will want to recoup more than that. If it costs $1,000, they're going to want at least, what, $1,500. In fact, they're probably going to need more than that because, you know, they need to to not just simply stay solvent, but they want to make a tidy bit of money themselves out of it, don't they? They've got to appease their shareholders, and shareholders is one of the systems this guy uh, kind of what sort of bring in to this. They wanted to abolish unions and bring in instead the idea of shareholders. So that's interesting. He talks about making students shareholders. Well, forgive me, but that just means without the protection of unions, it means that, first of all, the schools can arbitrarily sack a teacher for any reason at any time. And if the shareholders are the students, then does that not mean they're in a position to manipulate things somehow, particularly through their parents? I mean, if, you know, if they're not happy for every reason with any given topic, any given grade, for example, then what then? Would it be a case of, oh, you know, you gave my son a D in maths and I feel that they deserved at least a C or a B 
And if you don't change the grade, I'll sack you. Because, you know, I own you because I'm a shareholder. Is it that kind of scenario? Do we want that kind of scenario in schools? Do we want teachers to be so jittery about what they do that they just kind of crumple with that sort of thing? I don't think we want or need that. I really don't. I think that's not a good idea to go down. Finally, interesting point that they made. Uh, They talked about kind of one of the reasons for doing this was to get liberal socio-political ideas out of uh, schools. So, in other words, they want a system that teaches things only in the way they feel should be taught. Because after all, we need to find this whole social, political, liberal business. What exactly is it that you don't want taught in schools? And what would you suggest that it gets replaced by? Because that sounds very much like they want to control the narrative of what students are taught, which I feel kind of goes against the grain, really. I mean, the schools should be preparing their students for real life. And real life happens to include, among other things, realities around, um, you know, for one thing, racism and race relations includes making them aware that the LGBT community exists. Um, it might include some uncomfortable historical facts that they won't like, but they're not going to just disappear because they don't like them. So now what's on the agenda here? Are we talking whitewashing of history? Are we talking denying political reality here? I don't know. But there's a few things there that I've got to kind of wonder about. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the idea of privatising education. It would be different schools owned by different companies would probably have different agendas based on the owners of those companies can you imagine schools funded by donald trump can you imagine what they're going to teach you know can you imagine what he would want to have taught and can you imagine what elon musk is going to want to have taught in schools that he owns and the same goes for any owner of a school or schools you're going to end up with a hodgepodge of some wildly varying qualities and wildly different things being taught based on the whim of who happens to own the school. Not to mention how competent they are as a business person. So I I don't see how that is of any remote benefit to anyone. Anyway, those are my thoughts on the privatisation of education and on privatisation in general. Some things work as businesses. Some things make sense as businesses. For example, uh, where I work, you wouldn't really want to do that as a public service. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. But other things, stuff which, you know, affects huge swathes of the public, public services like education, transport, policing, so on, Placing those in private hands has, certainly in the UK at least, historically only seen that the services have gotten worse or costing more. And that's, that's privatisation in a nutshell to me. 
And the same thing would happen with education without a doubt. Whether it was tried here, in the USA, it doesn't matter. If you run schools as a for-profit enterprise, then money will be all they care about. And it may not be straight away, but it will happen. I promise you that.